You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Medical Imaging, a program discussing the latest innovations in clinical radiology and imaging technologies. Fast diagnosis with real-time imaging make ultrasound an attractive device for orthopedic applications. Today, we will discuss the role of musculoskeletal ultrasound compared to better-known diagnostic tools such as MRI. You are listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Medical Imaging. I am Dr. Beverly Hashimoto, your host, and with me today is Dr. Sherry Teefee. Dr. Teefee is Professor of Radiology at the Mallinckrodt Institute of Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri. Today, we are going to discuss the applications of ultrasound in musculoskeletal imaging. Thank you, Dr. Teefee, for speaking with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. First of all, what is the most common sonographic application of musculoskeletal ultrasound in your practice? In our practice, the most common application is to evaluate patients who have shoulder pain. Our orthopedic surgeons actually prefer in many instances that we evaluate such patients first prior to even considering an MRI. So what things are you looking for in these patients when they have pain? Because obviously there could be a lot of different causes. Yeah, shoulder ultrasound is pretty much geared towards evaluating the rotator cuff for a tear. We do also look at the biceps tendon and are very good at evaluating biceps tendon, rupture, dislocation, subluxation, We're not very good for evaluating patients who have more subtle changes of inflammation of the biceps tendon. Do you find when you see these patients that you're extremely accurate compared to MRI, or do the surgeons then go ahead if you have an abnormal exam and go on to other tests? We actually did some research in this area where we had a study in which we compared the accuracy of ultrasound to MR for the diagnosis of rotator cuff tears and then correlated our findings with the findings at surgery. And we found that we were as accurate as MR. And in some instances, subjectively from the surgeons, they often feel we're, we're more accurate in certain cases, in particular in describing the morphology of the tear itself. And the way we perceive this with our surgeons and with our MR radiologists is not that we're competitive, but that, in fact, the two modalities are complementary. If the orthopedic surgeon was more concerned about a ligamentous problem, a capsular or bony problem, or a labral problem, they would order an MR because these are areas where ultrasound is not going to be as effective in diagnosing the problem. So if you see a tear, what does your surgeon normally do? Do they proceed to other types of tests or do they go ahead and go to the treatment phase? They typically would go to the treatment phase unless we raised an issue with the examination as might happen in an obese patient where we might not see the cuff as well as we would have liked to. In that case, then they would consider doing an MR. Now, in my laboratory, what we've found is many of our shoulder ultrasounds are on patients who've actually been re-injured after surgical repair um, because our surgeon feels that ultrasound does have advantages since MR has many artifacts after repair. Have you had that type of experience as well? We have, and in fact, we also did a study comparing the ultrasound findings in patients who had had cuff repairs to surgical findings when they had to go back in on these patients and found we were very accurate in diagnosing 
problems in the postoperative patient. In the postoperative patient, do you have any problems with deciding whether, I guess, at what point do you decide that or recommend that the surgeon actually go in and re-repair as opposed to just go to conservative therapy? Well, that's typically up to the surgeon based on the findings. If we see that a patient has torn his cuff again and is in pain, oftentimes the surgeon will reoperate on the patient. But I think in cases where we don't see a tear, they're very comfortable to treat the patient conservatively and with physical therapy if necessary to try to handle the problem. When you don't see a tear, do you find that a number of these patients actually have partial tears? Is that an issue or not? We do. In the prior study I alluded to where we compared MR to ultrasound and evaluating patients for rotator cuff tears, we found both tests were less accurate in evaluating partial thickness tears. I think since that study, as we've gained more experience, we've become better and are more accurate in diagnosing partial thickness tears. But sometimes when there's cuff degeneration known as tendinopathy and it's rather focal, it can be difficult to distinguish the two. We're now doing a cadaver study examining the characteristics one would see with ultrasound in diagnosing tendinopathy to help us better understand this whole process and improve our accuracy. So when you're looking then at the tendons of the shoulder and you found that you're very successful with tears, have you sort of extended that experience to other tendons in the body? Have you found that ultrasound has been useful for other tendons? It has. There are several articles out by uh, other researchers who have shown that ultrasound is very effective in diagnosing tendon tears about the angle either the perineal tendons or the tibialis posterior as well as the flexor tendons of the toes. We've also used it in evaluating the tendons within the the hand and wrist, the flexor and extender tendons, and have been quite effective. And in other areas as well, in looking at ligaments or looking for fluid collections around the knee, ultrasound has been shown to be quite accurate. If you're just joining us, you are listening to Advances in Medical Imaging on ReachMD Radio XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Beverly Hashimoto, and I'm speaking with Dr. Sherry Tifi, Professor of Radiology at Washington University, St. Louis, Missouri. We are discussing musculoskeletal applications of ultrasound. Well, Dr. Tifi, Sherry, it's been interesting about your discussion concerning other tendons and ligaments. Certainly ligaments are a challenge just because of their size, and you've said that you've had some experience in the hand. I know that's a really critical area in terms of deciding tear. Isn't that what you found as well? Yeah, we tend to look more closely at the tendons in the hands. We haven't had too many requests for ligaments, although there are certainly applications with ultrasound. But the typical common lumps and bumps in the hands, such as ganglia or small solid benign tumors, Ultrasound is very accurate. We also studied this in a paper with our hand surgeons and found if we looked at the hand surgeon's initial clinical impression as to whether a lesion was solid or cystic versus what was seen at ultrasound, that ultrasound was much more accurate. And this is important information prior to treatment or surgical therapy because it helps guide the hand surgeon as to how most effectively to treat their patient. Well, that leads me to the fact that we found it's very useful to use ultrasound in guiding aspiration in our situation in supraspinatus ganglion cysts. Have you used ultrasound for therapeutic aspiration or diagnosis as well? We have on occasion, typically in the patient who 
has pain and may not be able to undergo an operation for a month or two, in those situations, we aspirate strictly to help relieve the pain temporarily. Those patients then go on to operation because the cause of the ganglion is usually from a labral tear that needs to be repaired. So you've actually then done quite a few of these labral cysts and found at least some partial relief, at least for the uh, time. Is that correct? We've done a few over the years. We haven't done a large number because typically the surgeons try to get these patients to the operating room as soon as possible. In the hand, does it make any difference to aspirate some of these ganglions or not? Well, we started a study with this, but then I think the hand surgeon decided that aspirating in the long run really doesn't provide much relief because you really need to, if the patient chooses, have surgery and to actually resect the origin of the ganglion so that it doesn't occur. So injecting steroids or aspirating is largely temporizing. Now, in doing the musculoskeletal ultrasound, since you are sort of challenged by different locations. Have you found that you've required any special equipment or can any kind of ultrasound machine do it? Or what do you recommend for those who are interested in starting? Well, you certainly need a good quality machine with a high-resolution linear array transducer to be able to scan and one that has a, a variable frequency that can be changed based on patient's body habitus. Have you found that you can use some of the compact equipment or are you... Do you feel that you still need the resolution of, of larger machines? There are some companies now that are producing some excellent, more compact machines. I only have familiarity with one, but with that one machine, I think I would easily be able to diagnose the rotator cuff tear. And I guess the other application that comes up in musculoskeletal ultrasound that certainly does in the rest of the body, is there a use for color Doppler or any kind of Doppler? It, certainly in evaluating the biceps tendon, I've found it helpful to diagnose tendonitis or tenosynovitis. There is some work being done now with the intravenous contrast agents in evaluating the rotator cuff with ultrasound. But otherwise, I don't find color Doppler very helpful in the cuff itself. For the intravenous contrast, are they interested in, in finding discontinuity of vascularity as a finding for tear? Is that what they're using it for, or is it for more for inflammation? The only study that's been published was largely to evaluate volunteers and look at the normal vascularity of the cuff itself. But there are many possible applications in terms of healing response and retear and if there's a correlation. But this is all pretty new research that's evolving. So what do you think is the future of musculoskeletal ultrasound? Do you see any future applications that least interest you that you think you might start to look at? There are a lot of areas that are being explored. People are beginning to look more closely at some of the smaller ligaments, at the nerves. Certainly there's some institutions that do a lot of interventional work with ultrasound, whether they are injecting steroids or aspirating. So there's a lot of, I think, different areas yet to be explored. Now, have you ever used ultrasound to follow effectiveness of treatment, for example, in the shoulder after rotator cuff repair? Has your surgeon ever used that as a method to try to see if the repair is going well or in any other part of the body? Well, we're actually doing a study now, and there's another study that's going to be published in terms of retear rate as to whether in the repair itself using a single or a double row of suture anchors is more effective in preventing retear. So we are looking at some patients in a couple of studies to determine if one repair technique is better than the other. And I guess after a rotator cuff tear, if you, for example, are looking at the shoulder, 
When do you expect to see no evidence of any kind of defect in the tendon at all? I mean, when do you expect it to look perfectly normal after surgery repair? Well, the tendons really never look completely normal because depending on the quality of the cuff substance in the first place as to the repair, how long the tear was there, is the cuff substance of poor quality versus an acute tear in a younger patient who has good cuff tissue, all of that is going to impact the repair. And And there are times when tiny little defects may be present because you can almost never get in a complete 100% watertight repair. So it really varies from case to case, but the tendons themselves are often degenerated and there's a lot of different factors as to what you might expect to see. Are there any signs that you see that tell you that this person perhaps has a poor prognosis for long-term success in terms of, you know, when you're saying that different tendons have a different look after surgery, even after a significant length of time, do you find that there are certain findings that concern you enough to call the surgeon and say, you know, there isn't an absolute tear, but this tendon doesn't look like it's looking very well? Well, I think more importantly for the overall prognosis of the patient, we provide this information preoperatively as whether or not there's fatty infiltration of the muscle. That often portends a very poor prognosis because if the muscles are completely fatty atrophied, the patient's not going to be able to use that arm very effectively, and this is important information that we do provide preoperatively. But, you know, we don't typically follow postoperative patients unless a problem arises, and typically if the patient has recurrent pain after surgery and they go back to see their orthopedic surgeon, they will send them to us to check for recurrence of a tear. So for patients who do have the fatty atrophy, do the surgeons do something different in terms of their post-op exercise program, for example? Does that help, or has there not been any particular way to handle that problem? Well, it's my understanding that the muscles do not come back and that the fatty atrophy persists. So any kind of physical therapy program to rebuild the muscles really is not going to be very effective. So that's really important information then, at least for the surgeon to discuss with the patient prior to surgery, it sounds like. Correct. My thanks to Dr. Sherry Teefee, who has been our guest. We have been discussing musculoskeletal applications of ultrasound. I am Dr. Beverly Hashimoto, and you have been listening to Advances in Medical Imaging on ReachMD Radio XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com, now featuring podcasts of this and other featured series. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Advances in Medical Imaging. For more details on this week's show or to download this segment, visit us at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.